After acquiring the rights to the Mortal Kombat franchise in 2009, Warner Brothers Animation proved that a Mortal Kombat movie could actually work. Released in 2020, this R-rated animated film tells the origin of Hanzo Hisashi, whose family is murdered by the rival Lin Kuei clan before meeting his fate at the hands of Sub-Zero. Resurrected by Quan Chi in the Netherrealm to fight in Shang Tsung's tournament, Hanzo must face off against the greatest warriors from Earthrealm and Outworld. Johnny Cage, Liu Kang, Sonya Blade, Lord Raiden, Kano, Jax, Baraka, Kitana, Reptile, and the reigning champion, Prince Goro. But none of them will stand in the way of Scorpion's revenge. Shinnok! No, Shinnok is indisposed. I am Quan Chi, in charge of this realm until the Master's return. And who do I have to thank for ruining my run? Hanzo Hasashi. Your reputation precedes you, Hanzo Hisashi. Welcome. What is it you want, Hanzo? To return home. To seek my revenge. Once a generation, there is a tournament. During that time, the veil is lifted, so that warriors may gather to fight on behalf of their realm. I can send you there. Why would I fight for you? Because... He will be in attendance. Do we understand each other, Hanzo? Hanzo is dead. Call me Scorpion. Nothing in this world can prepare you for this. You have been chosen by the Elder Gods as a representative of Earthrealm to record in the podcast of the century. Every season, the best podcasters from around the world are assembled to review, reminisce, and riff on a popular franchise. On the latest season of Podcasters Assemble, we're taking a look back at all the movies and games of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Choose your mic. Together, you will be facing off against a gauntlet of films. 1995's Mortal Kombat, 1997's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 2020's Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge, and finally, this year's release of Mortal Kombat in theaters and on HBO Max. <clears throat> Go to probablywork.com for more information on how to submit to this or future seasons of the show and listen to the latest episodes of Podcasters Assemble. Mortal Podcast! Podcasters Assemble! Hi, I'm Stephen White, co-host of the Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo Podcast. Hey, this is Zach from both the Neatcast and the Effin' Cultured Podcasts. Eric Slater here from Epic Fails of History and Too Young for this trek. Hello, I am Lacia Finley, co-host of the Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo Podcast. Hey, this is Chris from Comic Zombie and from Epic Fails of History. Hi, this is Justin Aki, graphic designer and one half of Significant Otter Co. And this is my submission for Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. The Warner Brothers animated video that was released back in April 14th of 2020. Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Dot, 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 dot. Uh, no, it's not in this one either. Damn it! Ah, that face really slaps. Spoiler alert. As far as I'm concerned, this is the first good Mortal Kombat movie. And to be honest, after watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation to, to make the recording, this was a much-needed palate cleanse as we await Mortal Kombat 2021. So whoever compiled the list for this season of Podcasters Assemble, thank you. Thank you so much. I loved this damn movie. When this film was announced, I was a mix of excited and confused. First thing, we have an R rating, boys. Right away, it's rated R. I was excited by the prospect of a well-animated Mortal Kombat feature that was rated R because that could be amazing. Finally. And holy shit, this movie is bonkers. Right? Um, yeah. I was confused 
because by the time of its announcement, I was well aware that a live-action reboot was in production, so the timing felt a bit odd. This right here is the tone and gore I was kind of expecting with the MK live-action flicks. Keeping in tone with the podcast, of course, here where we've technically seen two movies, um, it's taken on a much more serious approach, and I quite enjoyed it. It's the first serious take on the source material. I know it's not like they can't exist simultaneously, but still. But, side note, this is where watching all of these movies in fast succession back-to-back might be an issue because it really started to feel like I was seeing the same origin story with Scorpion and Sub-Zero over and over again. You know, like when you turn on a Batman movie and you're just like, oh, of course his parents are going to die again. But moving on. Now, this was my first time seeing the film. I had no idea it even existed. I vaguely remember the Mortal Kombat animated series. I think it was Defenders of the Realm in the mid to late 90s. I I just know that it existed. I couldn't tell you what station or TV it was on. Never really saw an episode. The first thing I want to point out is that animation is not a genre. I'm not much of an anime or cartoon guy, with the exception of some shows. Now, I'm a pretty big fan of animated films. There seems to be this stigma about animation. For the longest time, the only form of animation we had was Disney movies, uh, fairy tales, and kids shows. But to me, most adult cartoons are just silly. Animation is a medium of film. Like any other form, it can be used to tell a wide variety of stories in different styles. So, uh, right off the bat, I uh, just want to say I'm not a huge, huge fan of some of the design choices for the animation. <sighs> I'm going to get a lot of crap from the other guys, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of cartoons. Like, I watch Family Guy and some of those stuff, but eh. It's actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine when people look down at animation. Like, oh, that's for kids. They just dismiss it. But in a lot of ways, good animation can actually be more difficult than live action. But the animation is pretty fluid, and it's pretty well done. At the same time, animation also frees you up with almost an unlimited budget. I mean, the only limit to what you can put on the screen is your imagination and technical skill and having a, you know, an animation studio and all that. Um, And the art style was really interesting. The fight scenes are done pretty well, which should be expected in animated features since, you know, they can do anything. Uh, Look, I'm no expert on, on like animation art or anything like that, but I do have to say the guns they drew for Lou, they were like melting muscles, man. Guns for days. (laughs) The gore is everything you'd ever want it to be. It definitely doesn't skimp on the gore. In fact, this might be the bloodiest animated movie I've ever seen. In fact, had this been live action, I think the film would have been slapped with an NC-17 rating with this level of gore. Like, it it pushes the envelope. I have seen some pretty disturbing anime. This is like Ninja Scroll level, but like more. And all the fights for everyone involved, these fights are amazing. The animation is really, really good. It's every fight is violent. Everyone's got their special moves. We see x-rays come into play here, and this was actually really cool effect. And the utilization of the x-ray moves was really cool, and in my opinion, can only work in animation. They did use it a lot, though, which would be my only downfall, I think, to using the x-rays. Like, this is 2020, you had a lot to pull from, but I still think that effect looked really cool and kind of a far contrast from the other stuff that we've seen so far. In a live-action film, this would be too distracting or too ridiculous. I don't really have a lot of complaints as far as the visual side, other than a few design choices that just kind of didn't do it for me all that much. I know that we're working in animation here and we don't have, like, CGI to complain about, but it was still really cool. But... But just because something's animated doesn't make it for kids. Like, we can put boobs or blood into something just to be edgy, and they that's what they do. Just like how people view comic books. And as anyone who's ever been in a comic shop in the last 20 years can tell you, just because something's a comic book doesn't mean it's one thing. There's a wide variety of uh, different styles, different genres. We have all these amazing creators making very profound, very deep, intricate stories in that visual medium that probably won't get the recognition they deserve for years to come. And I feel like it's the same thing with animation. I absolutely love all the DC animated features. 
I really have appreciated uh, what Warner Brothers Animation has been doing with a lot of their DC animated movies. So seeing that WB Animation was behind the project made me feel confident that it would at least look good. So when I heard that the same animation team that worked on those projects was adapting Mortal Kombat and they were going for a hard R rating, I knew this would be something. I knew this would be good. And for the most part, it does. This time, though, it all worked. It's not the smoothest animation with all the big budget finesse, but I think it's solid. I didn't realize how good. But this, oh man, this was an amazing film. I didn't really know what to expect, but the fact that it opens with the Warner Brothers logo with Daffy Duck jumping around and then Scorpion just reaches out, grabs him and says, get over here. That That's all I needed to know of, of the direction this cartoon, this movie was going to go in. In regards to the narrative, it takes an interesting approach. It actually does the characters and their powers justice. Uh, here we see another backstory, like I was saying, of Scorpion and Sub-Zero around his revenge on the murder of his family and clan after being resurrected by Quan Chi. There's so much going on in this movie, and Scorpion is a solid killer. No remorse, does his job, fights for the users. Wait, no, that that's Tron. Considering almost 30 years of lore had been fleshed out, the writers really honed in on the story they wanted to tell without trying to cram every character and reference they could find into the film. It stays true to the mythology, but it's still super entertaining. Like it's it's got drama, character development, and it still retains the humor. The film focuses on Scorpion's backstory and journey for redemption while weaving in the premise of the first Mortal Kombat film. The movie was basically a better remake of the first movie with a bunch of extra story tacked on from other games, lore, comics. It worked out great. Not only is this way better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which honestly isn't hard to do, this is, I would say, miles better than the first movie. Of course, we still have uh, Johnny and Lou and Sonya to fight in the tournament, and Raiden and Lou prepping to defend Earthrealm. It can't be denied that the film borrows some of its structure from the original live-action film, which I'm cool with. I know originally with Mortal Kombat and Annihilation that Paul W.S. Anderson, the director, wanted to go for the R. He wanted it to be more more violent, but they weren't going to get away with that uh, in 95, especially where they were trying to get kids and teenagers to, to go to the movie. But, man, this cartoon, it is brutal. It is showing impact and all of the moves that you would see in Mortal Kombat 10 and 11. This is violent. This is Mortal Kombat. I mean, that movie is almost 25 years old, and I'm surprised it took this long for a reboot. I really did enjoy how they introduced the characters here via fight sequences. But the story essentially follows familiar beats from our three main heroes, plus Raiden, albeit with a variation on their introductions. Of course, a little bit more focus on Scorpion. It is Scorpion's revenge, after all. As you can tell by the title, the movie is predominantly about Scorpion and, and his whole storyline but you do have a lot of your other originals like johnny cage sonya Liu kang uh raiden of course sub-zero because he plays such a big part of scorpion's backstory and uh evolution throughout the rest of the games this is an approach i hope the new film takes as well this movie convinced me that the new live action one is going to be amazing i feel like an animated movie based on a video game this is actually really good this again is what we wanted in the mortal kombat movies we we kind of got it with the first one in 95 but annihilation no i'm not going back we're going forward 2021 that's going to be good let's we're not going backwards no no we're having too much fun right now So starting out with Hanzo and his family in feudal Japan is perfect. It takes a little different approach of telling uh, Scorpion's origins as Hanzo Hasashi. He's a very skilled warrior from the Shirai Ryu village. It opens with a pretty brutal Scorpion fight scene, but it's an actual Scorpion taking on an army of ants, and Scorpion giving his son a life lesson. A great way to introduce Scorpion as the protagonist and make him relatable. So while Hondo is bringing his son back to the village, they are ambushed by a bunch of Lin Kuei warriors. So the movie opens with the, you know, famous if you know Mortal Kombat, the, the Lin Kuei assault on the Shirai Ryu compound where Sub-Zero and his like kill Scorpion's people. The Lin Kuei show up to the village and shit's about to hit the fan. Well, that didn't last long because when he heads home, turns out this movie was directed by Quentin Tarantino. 
It looks like the entire village has been slaughtered by the Lin Kuei. Um, it's pretty gruesome, and we really mostly see the after aftermath as Scorpion's running around with his little kid, his son, and they're coming across like the massacre as it happens. We do get a bunch of ninja runs on roofs, though. I was expecting Naruto run on the street. Hanzo and his son are, are looking around, trying to find his wife. Hanzo is defending himself, and this is when we get a taste of how violent and graphic this, this movie is going to be. It gets pretty intense pretty quickly. Uh, Scorpion is attacked by a few Lin Kuei while he's got his kid in his alley. He kills three of those guys and then three more and then three more. And um, He's running around with his kid and, and they sneak away from everybody. They get away from the, the chasing Lin Kuei. In regards to Scorpion, the narrative is mostly faithful to the source material. And get to his house where he finds his wife has been killed. I say mostly because it took about four games for Hanzo Asashi to learn who was responsible for the death of his family. Because as he is defending himself and he is doing power moves, not necessarily fatalities from the game, you are seeing bones break, skulls get fractured, people are getting chopped to pieces by Hanzo as he's just working his way through the village looking for his wife. Hanzo finds his wife murdered and he just loses it. He eventually finds her, but it's too late. She's been killed, and, and Hanzo, he goes beast mode. And this is where he just goes straight bonkers. I mean, he goes nuts. He takes out, like, I don't know, 30 Lin Kuei warriors. And I actually counted. <laughs> um, he hacks apart 26 of the Lin Kuei. He seems unstoppable until he runs into Sub-Zero, or Bihan as the original Sub-Zero. He goes berserk. It's like Kill Bill. Because there's just so much blood. This is the bloodiest animated movie I've ever seen. I mean, the scene in the alley could fill a pool. This whole sequence in the first five minutes is is worth the price of admission. Before finally Sub-Zero pulls a total dick move and grabs his kid from the back of the neck. And he's like, hold him up off the ground. And he says, you know, get on your knees or I'll kill your kid. And I will admit this opening scene here hit me straight in the feels, man. But this film pulled no punches to the brutality of it all. Scorpion gets stabbed through the chest and just keeps going, chopping all of the ninjas into minced meat. A hallway fight scene was better and dirtier than the first season of Daredevil. But Hanzo got dead, taking out his kid and the entire family. And then Sub-Zero appears. Watching Hanzo and Satoshi get ambushed. He has Hanzo's son by the neck. Ugh. He has found... Hanzo's son, Satoshi, is holding him hostage, threatening to kill him. If Hanzo does not surrender, Hanzo does. Also, Sub-Zero has some serious powers. And how cold he was! Sub-Zero freezes Hanzo and makes him watch as he kills his son. And to be honest, I was surprised they showed his son die on screen. Freezing Hanzo in ice while he forces him to watch the death of his son? Holy crap, man. And then just to kill him. And then while he's immobilized, he then kills the kid anyway, and then proceeds to kill Scorpion himself with an icicle through his mouth and out the base of the skull. Through the neck with an icicle. Sub-Zero then kills his son. Uh, we don't actually see how it happens, which is good because we've seen adults that are just being massacred. They at least were smart enough not to show the graphic uh, part of the death of, of his son. I did read that they scaled back the death, though. Apparently, they were actually going to show an icicle pierce through him, but they decided against it. And it's not necessary. That scene is heartbreaking enough on its own. Hanzo goes out with a pretty brutal spike to the jaw, and the kid is killed. And then Sub-Zero goes over and just spikes a uh, icicle straight through Hanzo's uh, face, again with the, the very graphic death scene. Before finishing him with the most brutal fatality of all, an ice pick through the brain. And sends him down to another uh, realm. Titles. That really set the tone for me. Yeah, so this isn't a regular cartoon. They, they murdered a kid in front of everybody. This is the opening of the movie. <laughs> like, holy crap. Let's, let's go on this ride. Tell me more. We then cut to present day. I don't know. There's a lot of back and forth, like... There's some time issues with all the Mortal Kombat stuff. It's like, hey, we take ninjas from the feudal society and stuff, and we put them in a present-day tournament. I thought this was like once a generation. Isn't it like 400 years ago? I don't know. Cut to Liu Kang meditating. So we next meet Liu Kang. Uh, we see him meditating in a temple, and he's attacked by Raiden in like a test. Raiden appears out of nowhere to test him. The voice actors for Liu Kang and Raiden are fine. They're fairly stoic and one-dimensional. Once again, great character introduction. Liu Kang passes the test and 
Raiden tells him, like, you know, come on, the others are waiting. And Luke says, what others? We then travel around and we meet all of our uh, traditional Earth warriors, Luke Hang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade. So then we meet Johnny, MF, and Cage. This is a great way to establish Johnny Cage. Like, he was at the top and he's losing his grip. Anyway, Johnny Cage uh, appears to be the incarnation of BoJack Horseman. Johnny's getting dumped, his place is a wreck, and he has eviction notices everywhere. He's in a house he's underwater on, it's a pigsty, and even the girl is leaving. Uh, We see posters for movies like Ninja Mime and Ass Kick. I did love the poster of the Ninja Mime, Silent But Deadly. There's a bunch of like little background gags for just his stuff. Uh, We see Johnny's living like a bit of a slob and he's facing eviction and clearly is not, uh, uh, you know, he's seen better days. He answers his phone and says, you're in the cage with Johnny. He also has a god-awful ringtone, and he answers his phone with, in the cage with Johnny. God, that's just terrible. And to cast Joel McHale as Johnny. Uh, he was actually played by Joel McHale from Community and a bunch of other stuff. And does it's pretty perfect casting, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't know. Joel McHale was made for Johnny Cage, at least the more arrogant version of the character. Uh, better that he's voiced by Joel McHale. Like, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. Not saying he could never do serious material, but this version is him all the way. Yeah, I feel like he did a good job there, right? Great actor, kind of an ass in everything he plays, like community, so good fit. But the tone for Johnny and and (laughs) just Joel McHale, whatever, I'm going on a rant. Uh, He gets a phone call from his agent who offers him um, a role (laughs) in this production in China. So he's like, hell yeah, and he signs up immediately. And finally, seeing Sonya be a badass. Then we cut to China, where we see Sonya street fighting some giant dude for some reason. Cut to Sonya Blade beating the crap out of some big ass dude uh, in a street fight. We meet Sonya Blade as she's having a street fight. Jennifer Carpenter is good as Sonya. Knocking out literally all of his teeth. Sonya just freaking killed that guy. Caved his head in with a drop kick. I, I mean, the guy has to be dead. That was gross. Laying down a good tone of badass. During the fight, she flashes back to training under Jax, so we kind of figure out a little bit of backstory of her through there, through the flashbacks. Uh, we get a flashback to her training in boot camp with Jax. In a small flashback scene where we get a little backstory on her about how she became the badass she is today. And there's another Dexter connection for you. She's voiced by Jennifer Carpenter, Dexter's sister if you're keeping count of Dexter actors. We had his dad in the last movie. Finally, no damsel in distress here. Finally. Very happy. She's not bad. But she didn't really bring anything unique to the table that elevated the character beyond just that. I liked the Sonya. God, this movie's already so awesome. After she smashes the dude's face in, one of the onlookers, I'm guessing he's Black Dragon. They don't ever specifically say, I don't believe. But an informant of hers gives her uh, a scroll with the Mortal Kombat logo on it. Presumably saying like, hey, here's where you can find Kano. Just as I was forgetting this was a Scorpion movie. Scorpion in hell. And Scorpion wakes up in hell. Then she cuts to what looks like hell, but it turns out it's the nether realm. Or the nether realm. Which is basically Mortal Kombat's version of hell. After Hanzo was killed by Sub-Zero, he was sent down into the nether realm where he's going to be tortured. Being tortured in the nether realm. Uh, Where Scorpion is hung up by hooks and and chains. And and it's pretty gruesome. His demon torture is kind enough to give us exposition on what's going on. Uh, And he's getting ready to get tortured by some big doofus triclops guy who's trying to scare him. And says like, your screams will soon join the others and rise to the great Shinnok. So that's our first hint that Shinnok is somehow involved in this movie. I'm almost positive the creature torturing Hanzo in the Netherrealm is Moloch from Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, but I've not seen anything to officially confirm that, but it looks like him. Scorpion, of course, breaks free, kills the crap out of the dude, grabs the chains with the hooks that were keeping him chained up, and he's using them as weapons, which, of course, looks a lot like spears. Then destroying his own body to escape and kill a demon. And then he's surrounded by, like, tons of demons and it looks like he's overwhelmed he ends up freeing himself and he's on a search for shinnok so that he can get his revenge scorpion manages to escape the chains and uses the blades through him as weapons against his torturer i mean he's already dead so it's not like he can't recover he's become you know less dead is there a second hell i mean does he die in here does he just like restart up on the on the outrack thing 
Basic Googling says no, it's, it's just this hell. Oh, and you can technically die and come back. So that sucks. And then he proceeds to fight his way through an army of demons. We then cut to like the throne room in Netherrealm where we see Quan Chi, this total D-bag, uh, sitting on a throne and a demon head comes flying in, rolls in, you know, blood-soaked scorpion shows up and he is pissed. Anyway, Hanzo proceeds to literally destroy all the other demons, ending up in the Tower of Chinook. But Chinook's not there. He shows up to Quan Chi covered in demon guts. It's so badass. Quan Chi is, though. Unfortunately for him, Quan Chi has black magic. <laughs> he uses it to twist and break Scorpion's bones. It's pretty pretty gruesome. It's pretty gross. Quan Chi offers him a deal. He runs into Quan Chi, and Quan Chi uh, tells him that the only way that he can return to Earth and be with his family is that he's got to do a, a little quest. He tells Scorpion about the tournament and reveals that Sub-Zero will be there. And he offers to send Scorpion to the tournament to get his revenge. And he even offers to bring his family back or reunite him with his family. Quan Chi manipulates Scorpion into joining the tournament because Sub-Zero is going to be there. But first, Scorpion will have to get the key to Shinnok's prison, who apparently has been imprisoned by Shao Kahn, I'm guessing, because Shang Tsung has the key. He just has to join the Mortal Kombat tournament and grab the key to help free Shinnok, and then they, then he'll be able to be home with his family once again. So Quan Chi says, if you, you bring me the key, everything will be yours. And a bonus, Sub-Zero's going to be there. That's the guy that murdered your family. Hey, you, you want? Wanna go? You wanna go fight in a tournament there, Hanzo? Yeah, you do. You wanna murder that cold-hearted f***er. I am a scorpion. Hanzo, of course, accepts not thinking about anything and uh, is just compelled by revenge and is now referring to himself as Scorpion. Hanzo is dead. Call me Scorpion. We then cut to Johnny. He's getting to the boat. We're back to Johnny running after the boat. Looks a lot like the boat from the 95 movie, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, the boat to Shang Tsung's Island, where Raiden, Liu Kang, and Sonya are awaiting him. Uh, so kind of like a repeat from the first movie, but in this movie, he makes it up with all his luggage. Uh, very anime style, though. He still thinks he's going to a movie shoot, keep in mind. Uh, Johnny can't get a signal, so he tosses his cell phone overboard. He still sucks, though. Johnny Cage is so confused by everything going on. He thinks he's on a movie set. Oh, and it's not a beach vacation. They end up going through the fog of the realms to like a never space that is Shang Tsung's island. I like that from here, this movie follows a lot of the same beats as the original one, but it improves on them pretty much every step of the way. And we also get the story from Scorpion's perspective, more or less. So far, kind of like the first movie. This is mostly just exposition, you know, just so that the characters can kind of meet and we can get a basic idea of their personalities and how they interact. Raiden gives some exposition on the tournament. Uh, their, their reasons for going into the Mortal Kombat tournament, as this is going to be the 10th one. If they lose, guess who's coming to dinner? That's right, Big Daddy Shao Kahn's gonna kick open the door from Outworld and go, hey, this shit is mine. What gets me is all the other realms have boats, like all sorts of champions. Uh, we get to the island. Everyone gets to the uh, the island of Shang Tsung so that we can begin Mortal Kombat. The uh, tournament technically hasn't started yet. I love this whole scene where we get to see all the fighters partying it up before, you know, the deathmatch tournament. And there's all kinds of like weird characters and a few background folks from the game like Mataro and, and Natara. Like they're in the background and, and Johnny interacts with Natara. I did appreciate the myriad of Easter eggs throughout the film. We see Reptile eating something gross. Uh, one dude had his arm ripped off during an arm wrestling contest. The filmmakers knew they couldn't touch on everything so they tossed in little nuggets here and there which I appreciated. The test your might area in the dining hall was a nice wink. Uh, Johnny has a run-in with Natara which is a cool little Easter egg. Kind of cool to see them. Nice cameo. We got cameos from lesser-known fighters like Natara and Motaro. Then, Shang Tsung makes his appearance to announce the opening of the tournament. 
At this point, Shang Tsung tells the tournament, uh, the story of the tournament to everybody gathered. I like how we get a flashback to Shang Tsung winning the original tournament. It's kind of a cool moment where you see some still images of, of past victories and you see the great Kong Lao, the dude always mentioned in the original story, stomped out by Goro. But Kano's there. Kano in this version looks awesome. So Shang welcomes everybody and he says, before th- this tournament begins, I thought maybe, you know, as a host, I should give you some entertainment. And has Jax, who he captured. Jax gets dragged in. And he claps and Kano comes out with some goons and they're dragging an unconscious Jax. And we see that Jackson, or Jax, has been uh, captured by Kano. Uh, He's dropped on the ground. Sonya runs to try to get to him, but she's stopped by like an invisible force field. It's like an energy field that keeps anybody from interfering. Goro shows up, and he's going to be forced to fight their current champion, uh, Goro. Uh, At this point, Goro comes out. Which Jax thinks, hey, I've I've got uh, a chance to beat this guy. Sure, he's got four arms, and he's three or four feet taller than me. Plus, Kevin Michael Richardson reprising his role as Goro once again. See, I told you he was awesome. Oh, it's on now. Ah, no problem. I got this. And Goro's gonna whoop some ass. Jax versus Goro. Spoilers, Jax don't got this. And he proceeds to, you know, not surprisingly, beat the living shit out of Jax. And gets his arms ripped off. It's not much of a fight, unfortunately. And, oh my god, he does. He ends up tearing his arms off. Oh man, poor Jax. And uh, eventually, horrifically, really grossly, pulls Jax's arms right off of his body. Yeesh. And Goro gets to be responsible for Jax losing his arms, which is a great twist. That would have been a good pun had he twisted the arms off, but alas, he went for the pull method. I mean, it's 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 bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, this whole thing is like Uncle Ben dying over and over, like Spider-Man. Uh, we keep seeing Jax lose his arms. In, in no universe does Jax get to keep his arms. So Goro rips Jax's arms off. Also, there's a ton of humans cheering. Guys, whose side are you on? Unless they're like one of the other realm stuff. I don't keep track of that. Uh, Johnny still doesn't believe this is real. He thinks it's all special effects. Johnny's reaction, fake. These special effects suck. Raiden helps to cauterize the wounds. Uh, He then, Raiden, shows up to save Jax's life. Shang Tsung tries to say, like, you're not allowed to interfere in the tournament, to which Raiden counters the tournament hasn't even begun yet, because this is not an actual match. This is just them trying to mess with Sonya and kill Jax and all kinds of crap. Show off Goro and scare everybody, I guess, but... Just before Goro is about to finish Jax, uh, Raiden intervenes and halts his execution. He warns Shang Tsung that this fight uh, is not sanctioned, it's not the tournament, it has not officially started yet. He cauterizes Jax's stumps at this point, his shoulders, and punks Goro out. Like, if Raiden was allowed to fight, this wouldn't even be a fight. You know, it's very clear this version of Raiden is pretty badass. Uh, He's able to heal Jax's wounds, but the Sorcerer and Kano... Hold Jack's prisoner. While this fight is going on, uh, we see that Scorpion debuts as Scorpion. Meanwhile, Scorpion is teleporting through the castle, killing randos and trying to steal an amulet to release Chinook. And he uses his spear to kill the crap out of some of those masked guys that we've seen in the first game. Shang Tsung's guards, I guess. The guys are those weird triangular cat-like masks. Raiden appears to Scorpion as he's trying to steal the key. He finds the key to Shinnok's prison, and he's going to steal it when Raiden shows up, who immediately guesses, like, oh, I'm guessing Quan Chi offered you something. Uh, and he tells Scorpion, you know, don't trust this guy. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that should be trusted, don't you think? And, and encourages him to make his own choices, and then just leaves Scorpion with the key. So Raiden's either got some plans, or he's just a straight-up idiot. But Scorpion is convinced to turn by Raiden, because let's face it, Raiden knows Scorpion is going to get double-crossed, and Scorpion's like, yeah, it's probably going to happen, so I'll just lay off for now. If you're a fan of this podcast, and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcasters' disassembled episodes. Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcasters assemble. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash podcasters assemble. Link in the show notes. Man, at that point, the tournament officially begins. At this point, Shang Tsung 
irritated by Raiden's interference, says, all right, fine, tournament's going to begin, and he teleports everybody to their fights. Anyway, Shang Tsung just teleports everyone out to go fight. Everyone gets teleported elsewhere on the island. Which is great. No downtime, like the first movie. Do do they guys have, like, hotel rooms or something? Anyway, you rip someone's arms off with the appetizers, then tosses them into battle. Uh, It looks like this is, like, a battle royale kind of situation, or maybe, um, like, the Hunger Games. We see some other notable characters from the game, with Johnny Cage taking on Baraka, Sonya taking on Reptile, and Liu Kang taking on Katana. First fight, Johnny Cage versus Baraka. Johnny Cage versus Baraka. First up is Johnny Cage versus Baraka. Fight. They fight in an abandoned city um, of some kind, presumably somewhere just maybe made up for the island. Who the hell knows? Johnny finds like the armament storage room, which I originally thought was a bar because, I mean, it was Johnny Cage. Go figure. We start with Johnny wandering around, kind of looking, hello, you know, what's going on? And he's looking around at what he thinks is still somehow is a set. He thinks maybe he's been drugged or something. He's an idiot. Uh, Johnny finds himself wandering around this old castle built into the mountain face. And he's complaining about craft services and his agent when Baraka shows up. He finds this barrel with gunpowder in it. And he's starting to think like, man, this is really weird. He's a bit of an idiot, clearly. Baraka attacks him and he still thinks like, oh, this dude's part of the production. (laughs) And he starts slowly piecing it together over the course of the fight that, you know, this is not a movie in that. This dude is trying to kill me. Also, Johnny is still stupid and think this is a very in-method movie. At one point, Baraka drags his arm claw thing uh, across these the, the bricks of the wall trying to stab Johnny, and it creates sparks, which catches on to some banners or rags or whatever and starts to fire. The fire then reaches the barrels full of gunpowder and creates massive explosions. So now... This like mountainside building that they're in, uh, the series of buildings that clearly are built like on this mountain are starting to collapse and slide down. So it's pretty cool. They have a decent battle, but it ends with the destruction of the castle. Basically the whole place catches fire in a wooden room full of gunpowder. The fight now becomes a chase through a collapsing building while there's debris and stuff falling everywhere, the gaps opening up in front of you. And the whole palace comes crashing down around them. I just feel this island resets itself every cycle. I mean, the gunpowder was still good. Wouldn't be that way after 500 years of this stuff. Uh, Johnny wins when Baraka is trapped by falling debris while Johnny jumps to safety. Cage barely escapes, jumping off of a balcony and then turning just in time to flick off Baraka. But not before flipping him off and yelling out, eat me, buttercup. Winner is Johnny Cage. Presumably a fatality because we never see Baraka again. Sonya vs. Reptile. The next fight is Sonya Blade versus Reptile. Sonya is matched up against Reptile. We saw Reptile very briefly in that some of those crowd scenes uh, at the introduction to the tournament. And this is the much more reptilian, like post-Mortal Kombat 9 version of Reptile. So no ninja in this one. He straight looks like a big alligator man. And Reptile's actually invisible, so that's not fun for her. Of course, their fight takes place in a swamp because I... <laughs> I really gotta say, I don't love this version of Reptile. Old school Reptile, you know, the first two games, and of course, like, Trilogy and stuff like that, was one of my favorite characters. Uh, Really loved the Green Ninja. Don't love the knockoff Killer Croc that we have now. He just... I don't know. Honestly, like, I was kind of excited when he wasn't in the new game. (laughs) I was like, oh, finally... We can get away with this awful Reptile. Meanwhile, Reptile hunts Sonya like the Predator in the Swamp. It's basically Predator versus Sonya, because she has to throw mud on him to actually see him. We do get to see his invisibility on display where he takes some cheap shots on Sonya and we see his acid spit uh, melt the gun like on her wrist or whatever. She dodges his acid. The fight's not much to speak of. Sonya wins when she covers Reptile in like some water and mud so she can see him. He tries to make a move and she does that cool like helicopter handstand split thing. Catches him mid- in uh, midair and they do one of the x-ray style attacks where you see the impact of the attack and she shatters like every bone in his body. Uh, and then she just decaps him, And then uses like a wire in her, her wrist to garrot him. Jumps over him and cuts his head off by pulling the wire through his throat with a heads up. And she uses a wire to decapitate him in a pretty brutal way. That was awesome. Now some of the dialogue is eye roll inducing, but it works all the same. One such example is Sonya's line like, F- with the blade, you're gonna get cut. Like, it's so bad, but it lands for some reason. Winner, obviously, Sonya Blade. Of 
Scorpion hunts down one of the Lin Kuei looking for Sub-Zero in the woods. Next fight is Scorpion versus some guy from the Lin Kuei. Obviously, this is not really anything. It's just a moment to remind us that Scorpion's going to kill everybody in blue, which he only sees one more of. So it's really a weird scene, but he quickly just tears the dude's head off with his spike chain. So yeah, winner Scorpion. And then we get Liu Kang versus Katana. Also, we get a repeat of the Katana versus Liu Kang battle from the first movie and that she gets just, you know, walk away. Uh, the next fight is another weird one. It's Liu Kang versus Katana. It just seems like this is being used to set up future projects. Katana pulls out her iconic fans and Liu Kang uses his fireball fist. Uh, um, he does not want to fight her and at the same time is clearly showing that he's a better fighter. Like he's pretty badass all while trying not to fight. So she kind of has some cryptic words with him and then just walks away. So winner Liu Kang? We get one of the best scenes in the movie afterwards, where there's an awesome battle board. Oh, it reminded me like the movie Battle Royale. It's pretty cool. All the warriors and where they are. Elsewhere, uh, Raiden, Quan Chi, and Cheng Soon exchange pleasantries and threats. For some reason, Netherrealm is controlled by Outworld or fighting for them. What happens if Netherrealm wins? Doesn't that screw up the 10 contest in a row win for Outworld? Regardless, Shang Tsung decided to cheat and send in the Black Dragon, like a whole half army of dudes with guns. What boat did they come over on? Sonya and Johnny run into each other in the woods and they team up with Liu Kang before running into Scorpion, who's currently massacring a battalion of Black Dragon warriors. Oh, and Sonya kicks Johnny in the junk. Johnny is slowly falling in love with Sonya, even though she keeps crushing his balls. They sit around a fire and talk while eating beef jerky. Oh, and Scorpion is too cool for that, so he's off in the corner folding his arms. Then Lord Raiden appears to explain that they're between the realms. The fate of the world is being determined by some karate tournament? Are you kidding me? And we get a call back to the first movie. The fate of the world is part of some karate tournament. Wow, you seem very fun, Mr. Scorpion. Favorite line in the movie. Johnny's great in this. And then Sony kicks Johnny in the nuts again. In the games, they have a kid together. I don't think that's happening in this version. So a bunch more fighting happens and there's about like a subplot where the black dragons show up uh clearly you know manipulated through kano and shang Tsung, and uh they're gonna kill everybody they end up storming the castle but get stopped by the remaining black dragons so scorpion disguises himself as one of the black dragons and quickly starts killing people with his, his spear and scorpion makes quick work of kano's men we already know that Kano is working with Shang Tsung, who also orders the Black Dragons to come in and kill the uh, the Earth Realmers. But with the help of Scorpion, they are able to take out uh, most of the Black Dragons. Oh, Scorpion is doing his own thing and just killing people running through the forest. Lin Kuei, Black Dragon, doesn't matter. Scorpion heals you. Scorpion don't care. Um, one of my favorite moments with that was towards the end when Scorpion spears like three bad guys in the head and you get that close-up x-ray through each head. And then, of course, as he pulls the chains and all their heads get smushed together on the chain and just their head and spine goes one way while their bodies slump to the ground. I just thought that was really well done. I liked that scene. Scorpion shows up. Everyone does some serious fighting back, more than would be expected with martial artists versus literally over a dozen guys with guns. Sonya is showing that she's a total badass and she keeps saving Johnny Cage's life over and over again while he's just like, what the hell? What the hell? Uh, we get to see Kang going full Neo. The real appeal of this scene to me is we get to see Liu Kang really show off what he can do. Like he is just wrecking people, man. He dodges bullets and pulls some sweet Bruce Lee moves. Uh, once it's clear that the good guys are going to win the fight, Kano starts shooting at them. Starts firing this big uh, assault rifle kind of thing at them. Then Sub-Zero shows up. Kano shows up, gets stopped by Sub-Zero because it's not honorable. And then Sub-Zero also shows up and takes out Kano temporarily. And Sub-Zero shows up and kicks him off the roof for dishonoring the tournament. Most of the cast is filled with lesser-known voice actors, but hearing Steve Blum voice Sub-Zero again was a nice treat. He was the voice of the character in Mortal Kombat 10 and 11, and he does a great job there, so it was nice to see him rewarded here. But seeing those icy blue eyes sets off Scorpion, who decides to end Sub-Zero no matter the cost. And then Scorpion's uh, attention turns to Sub-Zero. Sonya goes after Kano, Johnny goes after Sonya, and Liu Kang goes after Shang Tsung. And then suddenly it's Sub-Zero versus Scorpion. Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Round two. Fight. 
They are both evenly matched, but uh, Scorpion now with his added abilities that he's been brought back from the dead with Quan Chi gets the upper hand. And so this this fight's brutal. It's it's pretty badass. This fight is not that long, honestly. And we find out because it's not really the fight he needs to be having. Again, and a reminder that this is supposed to be a Scorpion movie. We get the death of Sub-Zero. But Scorpion kills Sub-Zero by, it's pretty badass. He like bear hugs him and jumps off the pit <laughs> from the first game. Hurls himself and Sub-Zero off a cliff. He impales both of them on a large spike. When Scorpion throws himself and the Sub-Zero into a spike pit. And they are both impaled on the rocks below. Sub-Zero is killed instantly and Scorpion is very badly injured. And it ends with Scorpion jumping off with Sub-Zero off of this massive bridge onto a pit of spikes, and it impales both of them. Oh, they both get brutally nailed through the middle of them. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. (laughs) And it's so Mortal Kombat. So, winner Scorpion... But because Scorpion is a freaking zombie demon, uh, he's alive. While they're lying there, Sub-Zero dead, Scorpion still dead. Who knows? Now, at this point, Scorpion has not found the key that Quan Chi sent him to retrieve. So Quan Chi appears and reveals that he was, in fact, disguised as Sub-Zero. And he was the one that ordered the Lin Kuei soldiers to exterminate the entire Shirai Ryu and his buddy Quan Chi shows up and tells him the truth. Uh, Quan Chi shows up and for no reason at all reveals to Scorpion that he was the one that killed his family and clan, that he had disguised himself as Sub-Zero to motivate the Lin Kuei and was Sub-Zero the night that Scorpion died. That he was actually acting as Sub-Zero and only wanted to get him as a pet. And then he's like, ha 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 ha, idiot, and teleports away. Quan Chi was the one. He's the dick. He's the big jerk face. Sub-Zero was never, ever there. Quan Chi only did this as motivation to Hanzo so that he would do his bidding. Ah, uh, why? Why would you do that, you jackass? That's why Quan Chi sucks. Quan Chi appears to Scorpion and reveals that he was behind his clan's murder by disguising himself as Sub-Zero and manipulating him into finishing him off for him. Scorpion ain't having that and vows to get off the spike and kill Quan Chi. Scorpion obviously is not happy and starts trying to pull himself back up the rock that he's impaled on. Enraged by this, Scorpion is able to uh, remove himself from the spike and exact his revenge now on Quan Chi. So our next fight, after the uh, Black Dragon attack, Kano starts to try to get away, and Sonya makes chase. And Johnny chases after him, while Liu Kang splits away to go to Shang Tsung's tower. Sonya gets like split, you know, gets way a head start on Johnny, and she's chasing after Kano, where they go into like the dungeons, what looks like where you'd fight Goro in the first game. Sonya shows up to save Jax, but she's a bit overpowered by a dozen demons in the dungeons. And it's Motaro and a bunch of just demon-looking things, uh, presumably from Netherrealm and maybe from our world. I don't know, but they all look pretty mean. Hey, it's Mataro, I think. Sonya kicks his ass. And they do not treat Sonya very well. <laughs> they start beating her up pretty bad. Johnny Cage saves her and proceeds to prove that he's not just an actor, he can kick some ass. One of the monsters is about to bite her face off when you hear, here's Johnny, and Cage comes in and starts beating wholesale ass, to which Sonya replies, holy shit, Johnny Cage can fight. We also get the whole split punch, and here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. Cage shows up just in time to save Sonya's butt at the last second. It was great. The two of them beat the crap out of Motaro and all the other monsters, and they chase after Kano, who's trying to kill Sonya with his laser eye. Sonya and Johnny Cage take off after Kano to rescue Jax, which they do after fighting a bunch of demons, because the tournament clearly doesn't matter anymore. I love Johnny carrying Sonya for that, like, split second. I mean... Folks, this is how you get Cassie Cage. The two of them team up against Kano. She swings around on this chain, grabs a mace, and smashes his, his robot face in. One of the things that I like that has continued from, from the 1995 uh, movie is that Kano is now Australian. In in the first game, I think he was Japanese-American, but in the movie, he's uh, he's definitely Australian, and that was changed to... Um, to be the game's and I guess the universe's canon for the character as well moving forward. So that's all because uh, Trevor Goddard, uh, he played Kano and and he had a very Australian accent. Hello, did you miss me? Give it up, I've studied all your moves. 
That is probably a awful Australian accent. Um, he, he runs to where he had Jax tied up. Why they didn't just throw him somewhere? Who knows? But they save Jax and... As they're escorting him out of the chair that he was tied up to. Sonia saves Jax from Kano. Jax is released. So they're able to rescue Jax. He stomps Kano's head in. And they kill Kano. And he's like, all right, now I'm good. I, we think. And after the gang stops Kano, stomps Kano's face in, crushing his skull. Maybe. We'll have to wait until the sequel. So, winner Sonia? Jax? Johnny? All three? Definitely not Kano. Liu Kang is once again the uh, the chosen one. He reaches the throne room where he's going to battle Goro. The next fight, and one that was going on concurrently with this one, was Liu Kang versus Goro. Liu Kang versus Goro. And it's really not going so great for Liu Kang. Now we're back to a pretty brutal battle. This fight is nuts. They kind of taunt Raiden, Shang Tsung, and Quan Chi, who are, are uh, Shang Tsung asks Quan Chi, who is standing next to him, like the three of them are watching the tournament, to prepare some drinks to toast to their victory over Earthrealm. You know, the final victory they need. Ha 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 ha. Liu Kang is able to hold his own for a little bit, but Goro gets the upper hand and just quickly outmatches Liu Kang. Uh, Liu starts to win, starts to fight back, starts to kind of find his rhythm and starts to really look good. But then we find out that Goro wasn't really fighting for real, for real, and starts to completely dominate the fight again. He's just mercilessly beating the ever-loving snot out of him. I mean, Liu Kang was such a wimp in, in Annihilation, and he's not doing much better in Scorpion's Revenge. Goro just destroyed Liu Kang. Kang's getting his ass handed to him by Goro. At this point, Goro tries to do the same move he did to Jax and pull Liu Kang's arms off, and it's working. Damn near tearing off his arms, too. Liu's got nothing to do. He can't stop him. His muscles are starting to tear. It looks really gross. And then, holy hell, there's a spear through the back of his freaking head. Right before Goro is about to tear Liu Kang apart in the, uh, the fatality where he rips off both his arms and his legs. Right before Goro can literally tear Liu Kang apart, limb by limb. Scorpion spears Goro through the head. Scorpion out of nowhere with a spear through Goro's head. Scorpion shows up and just removes Goro's skull. Who then pulls his skull and part of his spine out of his skin. It is... Ah, man, it's so such a violent film. And rips his whole skull out. But it's just murdered from behind by Scorpion. Holy shit! Damn, I love it. Winner, Scorpion? There's a bunch of trickery. Quan Chi tried to poison Shang Tsung. At this point, Shang Tsung reveals that he knew Quan Chi had betrayed Shao Kahn by trying to bring Shinnok back from his prison, and that he also tried to poison Shang Tsung's drink. And Scorpion is technically the champion who has to battle King. At this point, Shang Tsung, recognizing that, that Scorpion is the uh, is Quan Chi's like Netherrealm creation, but that he's won, uh, he is because he's killed Goro, he's now the Outworld champion. At that point, since Scorpion killed Goro, Shang Tsung says that Scorpion is now the new champion and he must fight Liu Kang. Shang Tsung offers Quan Chi to Scorpion if he defeats Liu Kang. And he says, look, if you kill Liu Kang for me, then I will give you Quan Chi and you can rule in Outworld as a king. Like you'll know, you'll never need for anything. Scorpion's like, fine. And he, he sizes up Liu Kang. Raiden reminds Scorpion there's always another choice. So our next fight, and hope maybe the last, Liu Kang versus Scorpion. So Scorpion, again, as I said, is now the champion of Outworld for having happened killing Goro. Immediately cedes the match to Liu Kang and wins the tournament for Earthrealm. But concedes, ending the tournament. Scorpion agrees, but ends up double-crossing Shang and yields to Liu Kang, which means that the Earth Warriors have won the tournament. Scorpion turns on Shang soon and yields to Kang. Oh, didn't see that coming, did you, you old wizard? Winner, Liu Kang. Champion. Raiden steps in to stop Shang Tsung because the tournament is over, and Shang Tsung says Shao Kahn will have his revenge. Shang Tsung, super pissed and defeated, uh, retreats. And his power was presumably the only thing holding this island together, and everything starts to fall apart. Shang Tsung leaves, and Liu Kang and Raiden book it, but Scorpion stays behind to deal with Quan Chi. And Shang is in big trouble. He's in deep doo-doo with Big Daddy Shao Kahn. 
Liu Kang's like, what about Scorpion? And Raiden's like, his path lies elsewhere. To which it pans over where Quan Chi is still there. And we get our big final match. Scorpion versus Quan Chi. And then we get the final fight. Scorpion versus Quan Chi. With everything collapsing around them, Scorpion very quickly yet again gains the upper hand. The two of them are fighting as the whole island crumbles around them. And Raiden along with the Earth Warriors then leave the island as it is beginning to crumble and fall apart. Liu Kang and the others escape in the nick of time. Scorpion and Quan Chi enter their fight. This whole fight is so awesome. Quan Chi has a a ton of great magical power, but Scorpion, he is just a, a badass. He is such a experienced fighter. He uses all of his skills, especially with his newfound powers that Quan Chi gave him. And these bad guys just kind of screw themselves over. Kind of feeling stupid for telling this guy who had no reason to tell about your evil plan that totally screwed him over. This guy that killed pretty much everything in Netherrealm the last time he felt screwed over. You're an idiot. Anyway, Scorpion's fatality move. So Scorpion's able to uh, to get the job done. He says, get over here. And tears Quan Chi's arms off. He spears Quan Chi, rips his arms off. Ending him by cutting off the sorcerer's arms. He throws spears through each of like his biceps near the shoulder and just rips off his arms. Then he impales him with the spear. And we finally get a get over here. And then performs Sub-Zero's finisher by tearing off his head and spinal column. Quan Chi is Scorpion's like choking him out. Says his God will avenge him. And in response, Scorpion just tears his head off he just rips Quan Chi's head off including the his upper spinal cord he then takes his mask off he does the fatality of hellfire it burns Quan Chi's headless corpse and then rips his spine out of his body pulls off his mask to reveal a flaming skull and then lights everything on fire and the ghost rider breaths his body and then burning the shit out of him with a skull face it's a, it's a satisfying end where scorpion does indeed get his revenge winner Quite clearly, Scorpion. This is the best video game adaptation of all time. Because that's how you end this movie. So the Earthworm Warriors and Raiden are sailing away on the boat as the island kind of like implodes behind them. Liu Kang's feeling bummed because he was losing to Goro, and if it weren't for Scorpion, he would have been killed. Raiden says, oh, but your destiny is not to defeat Goro. Your destiny is to defeat Shao Kahn. Then we end with a tease of Shao Kahn. In the end of the movie, we're we're back in Outworld. Shang Tsung is facing Shao Kahn's punishment for failing to win the final tournament, the tenth tournament that would allow Shao Kahn to come on into Earth Realm. We then cut to Shang Tsung, who's clearly being punished. He's like spitting up blood, and he's just not having a good time. Apologizing, saying like it was Scorpion. I had no plan for him. Blah blah blah. Shao Kahn orders for for him to gather all the forces because he is going to end the cycle of the tournament. And we see that he's being um, admonished by the great Shao Kahn, who says it's time to end this crap once and for all. And he's coming to Earthrealm. And credits. And that's it. That's where the movie ends. Now I want more. Honestly, though, I really, I really dug this flick. Yeah, this movie was awesome. I've been saying it since it came out last year. This is the best Mortal Kombat movie by far. Overall, this is a fun, breezy take on a familiar story and really makes me hope they continue to do more of these animated films. Well, at least until the new one comes out, uh, which as of this recording hasn't yet. And if it's anything like this one, it'll be amazing. So fingers crossed. It's the best of the three so far. I don't know if that's fair to compare them again with this being animation and those being live action and of course having a 20 year gap in how it was told, but I stand by it. The animation looks solid. I really couldn't pick out anything that looked like it was done by a a, a B-level or or C-level animation department if they offloaded anything. I don't think so. I think Warner Brothers did a great job with this animation. I was surprised that something this violent came from Warner Brothers Studio, especially in the form of animation. It's worth noting that this isn't Mortal Kombat's first foray into animation. Like I mentioned in the first episode, there was a straight-to-VHS animated short, and then later a full animated series called Defenders of the Realm, which actually debuted Quan Chi before he was put into the games. What I appreciate most about this movie, it's not limited by special effects budget because it's animated, which means most of the finishing moves in the games can be shown, regardless how it fits the plot. Uh, But this... 
This one just annihilated all of those. My favorite fighters, or or fight, I, I can't say I have a favorite fighter, but my favorite fight is the whole opening sequence with Hanzo back in the village. Uh, that just sets, A, it sets the tone for the movie, and B, it displays a, a how good of a, a fighter and warrior Hanzo is. And that's before he even takes on the Scorpion moniker, before he gets all these additional powers and abilities. He just was on another level uh, above these other warriors. Now, could he have beaten Bihan originally? I don't know. Possibly. According to the games, he couldn't, but, uh, but maybe he could have. But he was fighting Quan Chi at the time. We just didn't know it. Clearly setting up a sequel. I don't know if we'll ever get one, but I hope we do. It was really good. But I would love to see more films or a series. If, if they're going to produce more, I will be watching it. In fact, each film could take on a particular set of characters and game in the series. Hopefully we'll do more of these like these these animated features and focus on individual characters. I'd like to see one about, you know, Kung Lao or the real reptile or who knows. Since Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Quan Chi have had the spotlight, let the next film focus on Liu Kang's journey as the tournament moves to Outworld. The third could be about Katana's history with Shao Kahn, her mother Sindel, her sister Melina, and so on, just as Khan invades Earth. Just a suggestion I have that will hopefully come to fruition in some way. I hope they make more. I, I don't know if they are, but I hope they make sequels to this. Goro was a beast. And for everyone who thinks he was just a sub-boss in the games, now they can see how damn big that guy was. I really like the voice acting for the humans. I'm sure I'm missing some people who are known voice actors, but you know what? Give me a brand name person every once in a while and I'll be happy. Look, at the end of the day, the cast does a nice job. The action is really well animated. It's gory as hell. It's super, super violent. This really is the Mortal Kombat movie that we've always wanted. I love the 95 movie. It's got a lot of nostalgia for me. I grew up with that thing. And I would not have been allowed to watch this movie at that age growing up if it had been out earlier. But... This really does do the games justice. And it takes all the story elements from the games and does something really interesting with it. It really hits all the beats of the first Mortal Kombat game. And at the same time, getting a bit deeper into Scorpion's experience and becoming Scorpion as we know him. It's certainly much more than we'd seen prior to this. This film was also just filled with, uh, with Easter eggs. Some of the ones, there's a lot, some of the ones... Johnny Cage does a uh, friendship again to one of Shang Tsung's uh, monks on the island. There's a scene where there's two uh, unknown um, attendants are actually doing the Test Your Might challenge from the uh, the first game. Nitara makes a cameo appearance. A bunch of the fights happen in actual places in the games. Uh, the Crossroads, Quan Chi's Fortress, the Kuatan Jungle, Shang Tsung's Garden, and Throne Room. Plus, we've got the classic infamous Pit. You can't have a cartoon or movie without the Pit. The best part of this movie is basically the origin of Scorpion. Seeing how they recreated it for the 2021 Mortal Kombat movie, they had a good base to begin with. Just overall, this was a great uh, animated movie. Uh, this is everything I've been looking for from a Mortal Kombat game to be in a full movie. I actually really can honestly recommend Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. But good stuff. Hopefully we'll see more of it. I think it's a solid entry in the series. Go check it out. And I doubly love that we might get more. Who knows? Because the way they ended it, we could keep telling the story. But the end of the film does set up what could be a sequel focused on Liu Kang. So that could be fun. They definitely set up for a sequel. Um... I really hope they deliver on it. I would I would watch a whole series of these. I would watch 10 of these. And I'm here for it. This is great. Podcasters Assemble will return in 2021's Mortal Kombat. The fighters will return in Mortal Kombat 2021. Next time on Podcasters Assemble. First learned about this seven years ago. On a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there... It tore through our unit in seconds. The target has superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions that dragon marking i think it's an invitation to fight for something known 
Mortal Kombat. These are your champions. I'm Sonya. That's Kano. I'm Liu Kang. Name's Jax. Kung Lao. Lord Raiden. The fate of Earth is in our hands. No matter how many of my people you put in the ground, we will not fail. Kill them. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble by looking us up on Twitter and Instagram at Casters Assemble or joining our Discord page, link in the show notes. Submissions are always open. Intro and outro written by Eric Slater. Music by Deathstroke Sound. You can find more of his music on Instagram at Deathstroke Sound and on Twitter at Deathstroke One. This episode was edited by Eric Slater. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links where you can find them all online. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Hey, this is Chris from Comic Zombie and from Epic Fails. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Check one, check two. This is a real thing that we do for levels. Checking one, checking two. And today we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat, Scorpion's Revenge. Oh, that was terrible. Scorpion's Revenge. Scorpion's Revenge. Scorpion's Revenge. Nothing's as good as going live on the radio and then not being live because you didn't check your levels and you had the wrong button pressed. That's not embarrassing. We're not professional. But... Just because something's animated doesn't make it for kids. Tanto Hasashi, a very skilled warrior of the Shirai, 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 Ryu, Shirai, Ryu, Shirai, Ryu, Shirai, Ryu, Shirai, Ryu. One of those has got to be correct. Eric, please help me. I hope that's correct. I'm going to get massacred, I know it. And he was the one that ordered the Lin Kuei soldiers to exterminate the entire Shirai Ryu. Shirai Ryu? Shiri Ryu. I'm going to fix that. Maybe. Pick which one is correct. They are ambushed by a bunch of Lin Kuei warriors. I got that one, right? Eric, give me one, please. Right? One? At least? Ew, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. You want to murder that cold-hearted Oh, that's got to be, uh, I don't know, a punching noise there. Sorry. I mean, you got Batman the Animated Series. Samurai Jack is another one. And then, of course, I've got to mention uh, the new Invincible series, which basically took Robert Kirkman's comic and brought it to life. And in case you don't know what that is, it's actually gorier than this movie. It is not at all for kids. And it's awesome. Hello. Did you miss me? Give it up. I've studied all your moves. That is probably a awful Australian accent. Eric, ask MC if that is a good... uh, It's Actually, you know what? Don't ask him. That is bad. MC doesn't know me. I don't want him to hate me yet. Let him hate me naturally. (laughs) I I don't need help. Seriously, if you like this, do yourself a favor and watch Invincible. That show is great. The only thing 
that could have made this better was that we had the Utah Saints and that techno. Fort! I don't know what I'm doing next, but uh, until next time, podcasters, get over here! Assemble. Podcasters, assemble! Mortal Podcast! Choose your mic.